Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. It's good to see you guys. Uh, if you're wearing an ugly sweater, please stand up. This is, uh, this is just natural. Or if you're wearing a sweater you don't think is ugly but actually is, maybe I should say stand up. Uh, it's, it is great to be with you guys this morning. Uh, how many of you guys are like me, and if I wasn't married to my wife, uh, are not done with their Christmas shopping? Anybody? Yes, my people, all three of us. <laughs> Everyone else, good job, way to be on top of it. Uh, Ryan, welcome back from Texas. Anyone else from out of state here this morning? Wow, welcome. Well, ah, yes, welcome back, Davis. It's good to see you guys. Well, what? Oh, my sister. Oh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> yeah, you're not from around here. Welcome back. Uh, it's good to see you. Uh, well, Merry Christmas. Uh, we, we are in the last week of our More Than Christmas series. And we started this off with uh, More Than Expected. And, uh, you know, one of our, uh, our church members around here, Ken Lysette, uh, met the full expectation uh, of what it means to be with Jesus this week. Um, and so if you could be praying for his family as, as, they, uh, as they deal with this, uh, this transition, uh, we just, uh, we, we're, we're praying for them. And uh, uh, he, he went to be with Jesus on Monday. Um, and, and this morning, uh, we are talking about more than a name, more than a name. Uh, my sister's here. Uh, she's also pregnant. Um, yes. And uh, one of the coolest experiences, you, you get to find out that they're pregnant and they get to share their name. Just a, a, a powerful experience. Uh, and, and, and for me, my, my parents share uh, the meaning of my name uh, all the time, which I don't know how to say humbly. Jonathan just means a gift from God. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know for who, it just means a gift from God, but, but it, it, it's meaningful. But I've got some names up here that, that are trending, they're popular. Uh, the first one breaks my heart as an Angels fan. Uh, oh, man, I'm assuming you're a Dodgers fan, whoever screamed. Uh, the sermon is no longer for you, but you're still welcome. <laughs> Uh, Shohei Otani. If you don't know who Shohei Otani is, I'm guessing you've never heard of the sport of baseball, but that's okay. It's a long game. It's probably a boring game for most of you. My favorite. But Shohei Otani, you guys know how much money he just made? A lot. A lot. Uh, two guys with probably even more money than Shohei Otani, Elon and Jeff Bezos. Guys who have so much power and authority, and the Time Magazine Person of the Year, Travis Kelsey, I mean, Taylor Swift. <laughs> if you didn't get that, that's a football joke. But Taylor Swift, she's got so much momentum behind her name. But, there, but there's a name that carries a different weight. And there's two promises behind this name. And one promise is that God knows you. Shohei doesn't know me. I've been in the same stadium as him. I know a little bit about him, but he doesn't know me. Nor can he promise to be with us. And that's the name that we're going to be looking at this morning, is Emmanuel. So here's our idea. God came to us in a humble way in order that we would understand that he's with us in a powerful way. And his desire is for everyone to experience more of the fullness of his presence this Christmas and beyond. Because he is Emmanuel, God with us. 
And so if you guys would read with me, we're going to read from Matthew, a couple other texts this morning. But this is Matthew 1, 18 through 25. It goes like this. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife and knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Pray with me. God, we just invite you into this place this morning. Uh, You have used broken people since the beginning of time. Uh, and, And God, you have a broken person standing up here. So God, I'm just thankful to be a part of this journey. God, thank you for promising to know us and to be with us. It's a foundation of how much you love us. So God, this Christmas season and beyond, would we experience more of the fullness of what you offer us with this promise of your name, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. All right, he came to us in an incredibly humble way. If you guys weren't able to listen last week to Todd's sermon, it was more than a humble beginning. Uh, And so I'm going to just highlight a couple of the things he talked about uh, and, and then talk about some of the brokenness in which Jesus is willing to connect himself with. But there's no notoriety in his birth. You have this and you have his giving up of being recognized as God. So you have the almighty God worthy of all worship and glory step down into nothing. No recognition, small town, small family, and he gets nothing that he was getting in heaven in terms of the recognition. The most important being in the universe steps down humbly for us. But I want to look at his own genealogy and the brokenness that lies within that. And then I want to look at some of the people in his ministry that he was willing to connect with. And these are just some of the people in his genealogy. First one is Rahab. Uh, Hebrews 11, we know Rahab to have a great faith. But if you know her story, her story was filled with sexual immorality. If you know David, his list of sins is long, but I think it boils down to this. That which God gave him, power and authority, he misused to his own sinful pleasure. Took someone else's wife, murdered him to cover it up. This is a broken, broken man from the line of Jesus. You have Judah earlier on who's got this younger brother who's a little bit more beloved by his father and out of jealousy sells his brother 
into slavery. And then you have these two kings. Oh, these guys were so broken. Kings of the Jews. You have Ahaz, who practiced idol worship as he was instructed to lead people towards Yahweh. He practiced child sacrifice, giving up his own son. And then you have Joash, who the chief priest's son was a prophet, came to Joash and revealed sin in his life. And rather than responding in repentance and saying, yes, thank you for bringing this to me, he has his own chief priest and his chief priest's son killed. This is Jesus' line that he came from. Why so much brokenness? And this is his own ministry. Who did he hang out with? One of my favorite titles of Jesus is he's a friend of sinners. That is good news for us. But he hangs out with the woman at the well, a woman so overcome by her sin and her tendencies that she's isolated from her community. You have the woman who's totally ignored by the rest of the disciples who's pouring out her love via perfume at Jesus' feet. And unlike the disciples who gave her the stiff arm, he embraces her. You have the thief on the cross, a man worthy of a death sentence. And Jesus' response to him, he embraces him. And you have a guy like the rich young ruler. From extremely broken to a guy who seems to have everything that he can want. And Jesus meets each person where they're at. And that's the foundation of what it means when it says Emmanuel, God with us, is there is absolutely no one abandoned by the presence of God. You look at his genealogy filled with brokenness. Why? So that you and me, because when we look at that list and we say, uh, people filled with sexual immorality, jealousy, uh, lying, deceit, uh, worshiping other things, who does that remind us of? With all unison, we should all say us. <laughs> the woman at the well, everyone who he interacts with. The common theme with the people is they're filled with brokenness. And the common theme with Jesus is, I'm Emmanuel, and I'm going to step into your brokenness and be with you. And so he came in an incredibly humble way, the most humble way so that we would understand he is not beyond any of us. So that we could understand, though he came humbly, he came humbly to be with us powerfully. And that's through the Holy Spirit. Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit, God with us. This is what it says in John. This is Jesus speaking. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage if I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, 
but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what's mine and declare it to you. This is the most helpful definition of the Holy Spirit uh, in my life, is it's the very heart, the very mind, and the very presence of Jesus himself. The very heart is the desires, the longings in which Jesus lived with, now through the Holy Spirit, is available to you because he's dwelling with you. The very mind of Christ, the thoughts that he had towards God and towards others, is available to you because he dwells with you. And the very presence, the love that he has for God and the love that he has for others, is available to us through the Holy Spirit. Which means there's two really powerful implications if God is truly with us through the Spirit. And the first one's you're never alone. Now, I think there's two primary ways in which we feel alone uh, in this life. Uh, one is relationally. Uh, and, and this is a primary passion at RCC, is that anyone who walks through these doors and is a part of this family genuinely feels like they are never walking through life alone. But this is something that we've all faced, is even though you're surrounded by people sometimes, you feel alone. Maybe you feel unseen, unmet, unheard. Through God, you are never alone. And I think the other way in which we can feel alone is in our sin. Now, I think there's some theological truth to this. Apart from Christ and the sacrifice he made is you are alone in your sin. And then I think the tendency, even though Christ conquered sin, is to still fight sin on your own. Is to still isolate yourself from God because you feel like this sin should have nothing to do with his presence. But this is the exact opposite of what, why Jesus came. He's like, no, 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 you're broken and you can't change that. That's why I'm here. So that you'll never be alone. Relationally, emotionally, or spiritually. And the second one is this, is if God is unchanging and there's no limits, then his love for us will be the same no matter what our life looks like. No matter what our background is, no matter what our sin has looked like. And this text right here has meant so much to me over the past two months. It's a text we've been walking through in students, but this text in Exodus is the most quoted verse within scripture, which means God is trying to get us to understand this is who I am. If you hear anything, this is who I am. And so if you're never alone, this is the kind of God who's always with you. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, this is when he's with Moses, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So you have these two incredible truths, this promise that God will always be with you, no matter what. And the character in which he's bringing to the situation is always this. He is merciful. He is gracious. 
He is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. It's always the God that will meet you. And so when Jesus is born as Emmanuel, this becomes the promise for us, is that God, this God, dwells with us. And so his perfect love that will never change is always available to us through the Spirit, and you are never alone. And then his presence, this gift of himself, it leads us to a really a full experience of a few things. The first is his own love for us. And this is just the foundation of our own faith. When you see the depth of your own brokenness, like Rahab, David, the kings, when you see, I am just like those guys, it's the verse in Exodus that becomes most personal and significant to your own faith. And when you feel his presence, when you experience his presence, when you trust that his presence is carried by Exodus in his mercy and his grace, you trust in his own love for us. And then this becomes a reality, right? This verse flows from the meaning of Emmanuel. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. There is absolutely nothing, no sin, no struggle, no past, no relational pain. There's nothing that can separate you from the love that God has for you. And that is what Emmanuel means for us. Relationships. Man, I love what Todd said last week. Christmas is fun. It's a general time in which people are more generally happy. But there's a truth about relational brokenness that it just can't be hidden. And so as we're together with family and friends, my conviction is that there is a lot of relational pain still going on. And it's not our natural tendency to, as God has responded with love and mercy and steadfastness, that's not our natural reaction. But Jesus does say, this is going to be the thing that people know you for. This is Jesus again. He says, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples, is if you have love for one another. And so in our relationships during Christmas, during the rest of the year, we get the opportunity, even if we are the ones who were wronged, as God was in our relationship with him, to step in with grace and mercy and love and be the person to fight for the spiritual health of the other person. That's what we get the opportunity to be. Because God is with us and now he dwells with us, we get to be God for people around us. And the primary way in which they will see God in us is by our love for them. And you know this one couldn't not be in here. <laughs> but we get a fuller experience of joy. Now, now the experience of joy is rooted in so much. It, it's in being transformed from, from light or from darkness to light, from death to life, from having our sins forgiven as far as the east is from the west. But none of that is possible without Jesus becoming Emmanuel. 
And so the foundation of our joy is rooted in this. God, I trust that you're with me, and I trust that you're for me. I trust that you know me, and you still love me. That's what makes God's love way better than anyone else's, is he knows the depths of your heart, the depths of your mind. I've always thought this would be the most interesting exercise in the world in the church, is if every one of us wore a t-shirt with the five worst things we've ever done or thought. <laughs> what would fill the room would be horror, <laughs> but also an incredible sense of, of humility. Because we all come in the same place of extreme brokenness. And that's the core of finding joy is, I know how broken I am, and I know that you know God, even more of the brokenness than I'm aware of. And I know that when I'm met with brokenness from someone else, my natural tendency is not, oh, I love you. Usually it's a self-defense, it's, it's I want to be right, it's, a, it's something else. But for those of us who treasure Jesus, it should be our first reaction, or we're at least praying it's our first reaction is, I want to respond with joy. I want to respond in love, flowing from our experience of Emmanuel. This has been a life verse of mine for a long time. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life in your presence. <laughs> so when he promises to be with you, this is another verse all about Emmanuel. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God, wherever you lead, I'll be happy there. God, whatever you command, I'll be happy there. God, whatever you take away, I'll be happy there. Because if your presence is there, that's where joy is found. That's the hope for Christmas, is when we experience the power of his humble presence, we humbly return in what I believe would be powerful worship. When we really taste and see of how significant it is that Jesus came to us in the most humble manner, I think we can then humbly return and say, wow, God, you are amazing. So here's some, some Christmas takeaways for us. You guys are going to be opening a lot of gifts. How many of you guys have already opened some gifts? Yeah, early. Let's go. Gift giving never ends. You guys are going to be opening a lot of gifts this year. Here's my conviction. Is when you're opening gifts, I want you to think about the gift that keeps on giving. And that's the presence of Jesus himself. And then I want you to read. I want you to read Matthew 1 or Luke 2. This is the, the account of Jesus' birth. Uh, I'd encourage you to read that tomorrow morning. And then I want you to commit to seeking more of that experience, more of the fullness of his presence because he offers the fullness of joy wherever he leads. And there's a song, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the, the band Beautiful Eulogy. Uh, they, they wrote a song, it's more like spoken word, but, uh, and I'm not singing, so I don't know if you got any ideas, but uh, I'm just... 
Uh, I, I'm going to read these lyrics, some of the most powerful lyrics I've ever heard on the word Emmanuel. It says, lift up your eyes and see the riches of the all-sufficient king seated on his throne in glory. See the scepter that stretches the expanse of unmeasured space. Hear him who holds all things together declare all things are mine without exception. See the curiosity of the cosmos as Christ condescends to his most cherished creatures. See the astonishment of angels as the Almighty advances towards earth. See the humility of the pre-existent king born of a virgin birth. The infinite becomes infant. The maker becomes man. And the divine becomes despised and the Christ is crucified. The author of all creation cursed upon the tree that he himself spoke into being. And the Lord of life was laid in the tomb. But the grave could not contain him. And so the Son of Man was raised to life. But why? To draw near. To pierce our greatest fear. To shed satisfying blood on our behalf. And to give back the life we were meant to have. To enjoy. To hear. To adore and to taste. And to look with peace upon our Savior's face. And to embrace him with an undying faith to interpose all his worthiness into us and to serve the most unworthy and undeserving. He is our God and we are mere men made by him. We are not like him, but he loves us and moves among us. The great uncreated and the created no longer separated. He is Emmanuel, God with us.